This is your Places Call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by Broadway's very own Voltaire Wade Green. Voltaire is best known for his work in Hamilton on Broadway. Voltaire, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you all? Doing super well. It's been it's been a crazy day today, but I'm glad to be sitting down and getting to talk to you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. I got I got here just after I got my shot. My second hey, so vaccinated. Let's which get it. Which one? That I feel like everybody's gonna ask. It's gonna be like the next year is like which which shot did you get? <laughs> I, got, I, I got Pfizer. So did hey. we. So did we. <laughs> we love Pfizer. I love. It's so satisfying, like seeing little parts of life coming back, and I'm like, yeah, I've got I've got the vaccine. I can do stuff now too. <laughs> Literally, we're like, okay, we're vaccinated. So as soon as Broadway opens, that's where we'll be. We're back. At, yeah, same. You'll find all me and my friends there as well. Oh, <laughs> well, we can come hang with you if you want. Just, yeah. you know, oh, you know, casual <laughs> coffee, you know. Oh, my God, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> so how we start each show, if you've listened before, is we start with our 60 second life story. So oh, I got to get my timer put up a timer and then Ooh, tell us your life. You ready? For Just this? let me know when I'm good to go. All right. Yeah. Ready? Go for it. Yes. Boom. Okay. Full scholarship at 15 years old at a professional ballet school. I moved to Philadelphia to pursue ballet. I went to University of the Arts for a year, then dropped out. Moved to New York to dance the Dance Theater of Harlem's second uh, dance company. Didn't love the ballet route, so I took about eight years off to go teach in the DMV area. For those folks who are not from the DMV area, that's DC, Maryland, and Virginia. I taught there. I took a year off after those eight years to be in Boston to play as a uh, session bass player. Moved back to Virginia for one final year of teaching, then moved to New York to pursue just something. I didn't want to do ballet anymore, but I wanted to do a career in performing, especially after my mom had sacrificed so much for me to get all the training that I got. Um, and then I did a few things. I did like an episode of Smash was one of the first gigs that I did in New York. And then I booked a regional theater gig of In the Heights as Graffiti Pete. And that's when I was like, theater is the thing that I want to do. I would love to do this. I somehow got looped in with Andy uh, in, a, in a rehearsal. And then he asked me to be a part of the Hamilton mixtape. And the rest is history. Okay, that's just about the coolest journey ever. <laughs> so when you say about Smash, oh my I God. freaked out. I got Emily hooked on Smash and she did. Over the summer, she was like, How have you never seen Smash? And I was like, I don't know. And then I watched it all in like two weeks because it was just so good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I literally had not, I, I had not seen it yet, but uh, I got a call from my agent for an audition for it. And it was, you were shot out of a cannon in that rehearsal process. Josh Burgos, the choreographer of the show. I mean, it is just like boom, boom, pow, like fireworks. So, but it, it was a fun whirlwind audition. And we found out in that audition right away if we got it or not. And I got it and I was like, yes. That must be <laughs> so like comforting, like walking out, you're like, all right, I got a job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just happy. I was just happy to book something because I had been hitting it for about three or four months before something stuck, and that was the first thing that stuck for me. So I was like, "We're good. We're we're here. We're here." Yeah, one hundred percent. So you started off in the ballet sphere. Was that like a big part of your life growing up too? And then, yeah, crazy performing arts high school on a full scholarship, just casually. <laughs> yeah, so I I have always been and still am like a diehard football fan. As controversial in the arts as that is, uh, I am still a huge football fan. I just grew up loving football and I wanted to play like peewee football. My mom was like, 
I don't want you getting out on the field and not a being coordinated and then getting like dumb injuries, like a, you know, a sprained ankle or something. So why, if you take a ballet class once a week for an entire year, I will let you play football. And I was like, easy done. Like in my head, I would have done that yesterday if that's all I needed to do to, to play football. And so like, that was the route. Like as soon as I took that first ballet class, I was like, Oh, this actually isn't that terrible. And then like that summer I added a jazz class and it helped that I was also crushing on my jazz teacher who went on to dance. Like she, she went on to dance for like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera in, in like the commercial world. So I, I, I like had a huge crush on her, but then she was also doing big things. And I was like, I want to do something like that. Like that looks fun. Like the VMAs look fun, you know, like, like I was just, I was, I was hooked. So yeah, that's, that's, that, that's how the ballet route went. That's so beyond cool. So then high school, you're, what made you kind of want to, did, was that like something that you thought for sure, all right, I'm going to go into this professionally and then you go to high school. Like, what was that kind of route? like? Uh, so that, that was different because uh, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I still stayed back home um, and I was doing like competitions and stuff, but I was also wrestling, boxing, gymnastics. Um, I, I like did all the sports. Quite a uh, resume there. <laughs> I mean, I just like I had so much energy and I just loved physically like just being involved with things. And my mom was like, who am I to say no if you want to be productive with your life and active? So my mom was like, as long as you can manage your time, you can like do whatever you want. So it was like music and then all the sports and all that. So but then I got a full scholarship to this uh, professional ballet school. And my mom, I actually wasn't going to leave to go do it. But my mom was like, not too many kids get a full scholarship to a ballet school. So you should just take the opportunity and go. So with two suitcases and $300, your boy took his dreams from Bakersfield, California, all the way to the East Coast, and on a dream and a prayer, made it work. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. So then following high school, you mentioned you briefed in college, dropped out, and then you moved to the city from there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So what was that process like, kind of getting yourself to the city? I mean... I was working, let's see, I've, I've worked like a restaurant job in like three or four different states for the same corporate chain. Um, but it was just like kind of hustling on that front to like save up some money. And then um, I actually, my first roommates in New York were, um, I don't know if you all know Ephraim Sykes. He was David Ruffin in Ain't Too Proud to Beg. He's also another original cast member of Hamilton. Um, it was me, him, this guy, Josh Johnson, who's also like an incredible dancer and Dewan Booker, who also was in Dance Theater of Harlem. We all kind of like shacked up in this four bedroom apartment in Harlem and just made it work. <laughs> just made it work as aspiring artists. I gotta say, I just went to Harlem for the first time like a couple of weeks ago. I'm usually like in the village when I'm in the city. I loved Harlem. <laughs> it was so, so lively. Cool I love it. Right? It's so lively. I love it. Truly. So now you, in a bunch of interviews in the past, have talked so much about how you love the city. What would you say you love most about it? Like what's kind of your, what stands out about the city to you? Honestly, I just, I love the diversity of it. Like, and there's something about so many people in a concentrated area. There's a collective, like we're all in this, 
you know, like, like, like we're all in this on our hustle, on our grind. Um, but I, I really love the diversity. I love the amount of food options that we have. Like if I want Thai food, if I want Indian food, if I want soul food, Mexican food, Cuban, Puerto Rican, like it's just those, like anything is at your disposal. And I just, I love options. I just love all the options that New York provides. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so now you spent most of your life with ballet dance and then you became very into hip hop. So like, how was that transition? Oh, great question. Great question. So I always loved um, b-boying. The commercial term for it is breakdancing. Um, but I had always loved it and I'd always wanted to like learn about it so i would like go on you like back when youtube barely had videos on them you would i would like look up like instructional things and find like maybe two or three things and i would watch them over and over and try to copy and emulate them when i went to college i met my best friend will who is from the dc area he's one of the sickest b-boys i've ever seen um truly just like a beast and i remember being like yo i love hip-hop i want to do it you know he's like well you need to know what hip-hop is before you can even do it otherwise you're just copying something and you're not doing it that well and you'll get destroyed and i don't want you to get destroyed so he kind of took me under his wing and we started like doing sessions once a week and he was teaching me like foundational things like footwork and you know the difference between hip-hop genres and then in philly every last it used to be thursday of the month there would be a thing called the gathering where all the local b-boys uh graffiti artists djs mcs would all come to this house that i think was owned by temple university and you would just have a house of hip-hop for one night till like three or four in the morning and there were ciphers down on the floor the walls were like top to bottom construction paper so you had all all the graffiti or like all the tags and like artwork you had dj set up in the front of the house like going in cutting cutting records and then if there were mc battles there'd be mc battles but it was just like a huge hip-hop gathering and so that's how i like learned about hip-hop culture and just like the movement and lifestyle in itself that is that must be such a cool scene <laughs> like it's it's, so cool. <laughs> it's it's one of the coolest things to see because like I feel like when 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 you say like battle or like you know whatever there's like a bit of animosity to it but when you're in like like when you're in there with everyone it's all about respect so even if it gets heated in an exchange whether it's dancing or MC or DJing there's always a moment at the end where both people will always give up respect even if they think they won or didn't win, you know, fair or not fair, there's always like a mutual respect between them. And like to have that amplified by the amount of bodies in the space, it's a really cool environment to be in. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds incredible. <laughs> so now you're getting back kind of into the city, right? And you're, you mentioned Smash was kind of your first audition breakthrough and then you ended up doing In the Heights. Yes. Which is my favorite show ever written. <laughs> um, yes. Love that show. So I guess what was what were those first kind of inaugural experiences like for you once you started kind of getting into the theater sphere? Oh my goodness. I mean, like, I think the biggest thing when you're like, when, when you land something is being around other people who work consistently or like, you know, like I met a lot of people who I work with 
consistently a lot now from that one episode in smash that i did like daniel watts i play bass for him in his band i always throw him music to use for he just came out with a show at the signature theater called only child um and he's kind of like the who's who on broadway and as far as activism goes as well it's like i think i think meeting folks uh is is like one of the first big like oh this is cool like you're doing this and then tomorrow you're doing a different gig and then and it's like nice to be exposed to seeing how people's like different hustles and like different things like intertwine with others and yeah i feel like that i feel like that was just like for smash that that was my experience but then for in the heights i was like oh, i feel like i belong somewhere like it was a musical where i was like oh i love the music i love the singing in this i love the movement i love the story i was like i feel like i belong like for the first time in my life i feel like i found a venue a show where i'm like oh i'm comfortable this is great this is awesome yeah that's amazing so now fast forward Hamilton. So walk us through the audition process for that and how you booked that. Oh man. Okay. So the audition for the, the, I, I auditioned for it twice before I booked it. The first one was for the workshop. Um, but my agent gave me a, and I can say it now because it's not my agent now, but my agent gave me, uh, the incorrect location for the, for the, for the, for the workshop and so i was a little salty about that um but then my second audition it was just an hour long we learned three combos i was so disappointed that we were done at the end of that hour i could have danced all day um i was just like i'd never been in an audition where i was like everyone in this room is absolutely amazing and i'm not even mad if i don't get it i just want to keep i i want to just take in as much as of this choreography as i possibly can so yeah i mean it was it was a fun audition i was like looking around and just blessed to be in the room i was like this is i'm in great company so you were in the room where it happened truly truly <laughs> we're going to make that joke at least four more times <laughs> We ask for it. We ask for it. Come on. So you're in the room where it happens. You're surrounded by this incredible creative energy, kind of soaking in this now iconic Andy Blankenbuehler choreo. Mm -hmm. You book the show. You're headed off Broadway. Now, your first time going on was kind of insane, if I remember correctly. Can you talk a little bit about that and like your first show on? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So mid-show i'm told to get dressed because one of our guys went down and i was like I, I was i was off stage i was off stage i remember this i was off stage right tracking thane man two and they go you're not to go on for seth who is man four and i was like uh, okay okay cool i hadn't looked at his track in like two or three weeks and mind you during this process we were changing blocking staging props bring being brought on and off like we were changing that almost every day so so just to, just to give folks like a little bit of insight on the off-broadway experience every day there were at least five critical changes for like each member in the show like like we were they were constantly scrubbing certain sections or certain numbers and be like, ah, this just isn't landing right. What if we put this person here, have this person enter here. And meanwhile, I'm like jotting notes, going back to tracking sheets, 
amending those and then like trying to download that information. So when they told me Seth was, I was going on for Seth, I was like, all right, cool. I, I have to show why I'm here now. Like I have to prove why I deserve to be here. And so I went, I got dressed. I told Clemens, uh, Stephanie Clemens, who is our uh, dance captain. I was just like, look, I can't do Helpless Satisfied because I haven't touched my partner. I have never done it before, but I will do everything after that. And so the first thing after that is wait for it. And I was like, when I made my entrance out, my heart was beating just like so hard. And like my adrenaline was shooting so much that I just felt tingling all over just the surface of my skin. I was just like, everything was just like rushing. And I remember Leslie, before he goes into the first chorus, he does, a, uh, he, he kind of turns around and locks eyes with everyone on stage to kind of like zero everyone in before that very first big wait for it. And the look that he gave me was like so reassuring in like a, we got you sort of like look. And I was like, okay, I'm here with you. And then there's another moment where we all have to look off stage left in wing two on Hamilton faces an endless uphill climb. And Lynn was there and he was like giving me the nod, like, we got you. And I was like, all right, cool. We're going to do this. Um, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect, but I like, I got everything done. Um, the show, the show went on. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just, it was as terrifying as it was exciting. And I mean, it was like all the things, but it was just like, it, it, again, it was another moment where I was like, ah, I belong cool cool the the family aspect of this just like that's so incredibly heartwarming and just that's magic that's just pure oh. magic <laughs> oh yeah i mean especially when it's like you know i think i was the only person who had never a i had never swung before i'm used to doing like just you know being in some role on stage i never swung before but then like to be in the company or the caliber of this company i was like I can't be scared. I gotta just do my job and pray that they got me and they and and they had me from 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 the moment I hit the stage to the end. So that's just incredible. I gotta give you massive credit. Swinging is so hard. Not easy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shout out to all the swings out there. Shout out to truly. the folks who who make their bread and butter swinging. That is, you're the best. Truly. Absolutely. <laughs> so now off Broadway. I mean. I wish I could have been there. <laughs> um, Off-Broadway, I imagine, was such a different kind of culture from getting to the Rogers. So what was that whole shift like? And like, how did it, how did the show change in your brain from Off-Broadway to the Rogers? Oh my goodness. We had so many gems Off-Broadway. There were so many songs that just got cut or ch lyrically changed, like, you know, because like there were, I think, I think one of the most beautiful things about the show off Broadway, it had so many hip hop references and so many theater references. So you would get such a mixed crowd and you would get so many mixed responses from like, whether it's a hip hop reference or if it's a musical theater reference, you would hear the differences in, in the audience. And then you found people during intermission after they ran to go to the bathroom because the show was way longer off Broadway. Like we had like at least five or six more songs in the off Broadway cut, but like 
you would hear conversations happening where it's like, oh, why did everyone laugh at this line? And then you'd hear someone who got that line and would like break it down. And it was a nice cultural mix that was like happening in front of us. And I was like, wow, yeah. For folks who love hip hop, will come to see this because they're hearing these hip hop references. And for folks who love theater, obviously they're gonna come and see this because you know a hip hop musical about, or a hip hop influenced musical about Alexander Hamilton is intriguing. I don't care who you are. That there's something about that, whether you're pessimistic or optimistic about it, like it's intriguing. But it really was just like cutting down some of the songs that just like ah. There was there was one scene that we cut and I, I like it's one of those things that humanizes Burr a little bit more and it's the Theodosia reprise where it's like him singing to his wife who just passed away and it just makes the this man will not make an orphan of my daughter just it lands so much harder in a way where the audience is like oh dang like you know but he gets his whole song at the end world is wide enough like that's fine but there were just so many things like the letter to Abigail Adams, like, ugh, like the insults, like just, just, just gems, you know, but then the transfer to Broadway, it like, we added two more folks on stage. So vocally we were much more just like buffed up and um, everything was just refined. I feel like off Broadway was very raw and malleable and just like that sort of energy was very like, tangible and you could feel that and then when you got to Broadway it got very refined just very like you know some of the curse words left some of the hip-hop references we weren't able to use because of rights um you know yeah it was just it was just like the polished version of like the initial idea but I love the initial idea <laughs> absolutely so now you served as the assistant dance captain for Hamilton and mm -hmm. with a show that has now become such an iconic force of Andy Blankenbuehler choreography, what was the most rewarding aspect of being a dance captain? What was the most rewarding aspect? I, I mean, it's, inter it's, it's interesting because I feel like with Andy, um, com like compared to other choreographers, I feel like with Andy, it's all about everyone collectively understanding what pocket they're sitting in, whether they're emotionally supporting someone or, you know, uh, whether they're like being George Washington's ego or if they're gonna be Hamilton's hunger for more, you know, it's like the rewarding part is when you are able to break down a section where folks can like mentally be on the same page and then they physically execute it the way that like you've seen it done before and that's usually like the interesting thing because like folks want to come at it from like a dance like oh i'm gonna hit this step really hard but it's not about that it's about like who are you are you being hamilton's ego or are you going to be burr's approach into this are you gonna like you know it's like you've got to really like pick and choose uh the differences there but the rewarding part is when everyone is in the same mindset and everything lands the way it's supposed to that's the easier and shorter way of saying that. Yeah, for sure. So in a show that you all have to be so in sync. And I mean, I remember seeing the show for the first time and I was just so blown away by like, everybody was so in sync with each other. It was like one unit, I guess. How do you keep, how do you keep that unit together? And like, how does that, what mindset do you all have to be in in order to kind of function that way? I think mindset wise, you kind of have to put like uh, a part of your ego aside. Cause like, 
the one thing about doing the show eight times a week is it does get hard and then it's like well i need to define myself i don't feel like myself you know and it's like you see moments of like where in choreography folks will have moments where they're like really feeling it and they'll dig into that and it's like no 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 if it feels good you're not doing it right i know that sucks i know that's not i know that's not how dance is supposed to be especially for us artists but it's one of those things where it's just like you know let's reel this back remember this is what we're representing for this moment i mean it really is just like person to person because like you know i do one thing that oak taught me um is he was just i, I remember being on stage and he was kind of like goofing around in certain moments and i was like dude what are you doing like you're on stage and i'm your dance captain like why are you doing this in front of me and he was like hey bro it's my equity one he's like I have one show a week that I literally like I just do for myself. It's just because, you know, it's 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 what it's what allows me to do the rest of the shows the way I'm supposed to do them. And I was like, I never thought of that, but I can a little bit of grace goes a long way, you know. I like like it was one of those lessons where I was like, huh, inequity one. Okay, if someone because you know, someone could come in and have a really bad day. I don't know, you know, like anything could happen, and it's like sometimes you need to have a show for yourself where you're working out some things and like that was like a huge thing for me learning was just like it's okay to give everyone like their equity one show to do whatever as long as it doesn't distract from the main thing um but yeah i completely forgot the question now because now i'm just reminiscing about oak and all of his shenanigans <laughs> Honestly, I'm living for it and also forget the question. But, so Equity One, like what's something that was a part of your like Equity One show that stands out to you? You know, I, I, I personally never did it just because like I knew I would be looked at from my peers, especially as a dance captain. I never took an Equity One for myself um, just because like I also just love the work. You know, I, I, I love like the amount of homework I did going into the show, once it got to a point where I was going on, I was just like, you know what, like I can sacrifice. Like I'm also creative outside of my job. Like I produce music, I choreograph. So like I, I get my equity millions outside of my show. Um, but yeah, when, when, when I was in the show, I just usually just, I just do the work and I, I'm such a workaholic. I would, as a dance captain, I had notepads on either side of the stage. So I would also take notes on folks while I was working, so. That sounds like something Emily would do, so. Yeah. <laughs> <It> really does. <laughs> I'm a little in love with legal pads, it's fine. Legal pads are the jam. Right? Anyone who tells you different, away with them. <laughs> Jesse, I hope that you write that down on your non-existent legal pad. <laughs> I use my iPad. I'm sorry. Also, I'm loving the Hamilton, but like singer riff. Yes, that was my bat mitzvah logo, and I have it in my room. And That's amazing. It was like right when Hamilton was coming to Broadway. Wow. I was obsessed with it. Still am, obviously. And it's <laughs> Could you not be? So. I love that. I love that. Thank you. So now you said that you just love the work of being in Hamilton. What would you say is like your favorite part of the show, whether it be choreo wise, like music wise, just anything? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, 
You know, right hand man is a good one because we use a lot of themes. Choreographically, we use a lot of themes, but we also use the ensemble and the surround to kind of, I mean, they do it in the beginning of the show. One thing, one thing that's brilliant about the way Hamilton is staged is we condition the audience to get used to seeing the ensemble with, with like the stage, you know, and like all of the props. So when we start to creep in, you don't notice it as much or like your eyes are conditioned so that you're like, oh yeah, I know there are people there, but then it's like suddenly, oh, there's a prop, there's a prop. Oh, this whole sheen, uh, this whole scene just changed. And it's like, but right hand man for me is just like that. It's, it's using all the elements and, you know, or, or uh, nonstop, nonstop is another good, good one where you're using turntable props, you're using all of the surround um, and all of the ensemble to achieve, you know, what we need to for that. Honestly, I can't pick a favorite number in the show, but if I had to, nonstop is just brilliant. It's so, so well staged, like, yeah, just it's insane. It blows my mind every time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that one that one in room where it happens is probably like the two best staged uh numbers cuz you know, the cool thing about room where it happens is Jefferson and Madison aren't actually in that scene. And, and Hamilton, if you think about it, like that whole number is Burr by himself. So we just like created a whole scene because it's all speculative right like he's he hasn't figured out what they're talking about he hasn't figured out what they're doing so it's him sitting there and with all of us in the surround it's almost as though like we're his demons on his shoulder that's like figure this out figure this out figure this out so that th that one to me is probably like staging wise probably just like the best yeah absolutely i could take y'all five minutes on that and said that first that's my bad <laughs> <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. So I feel like this is something that we don't talk about enough on this show, but you were also a part of filming, um, recording, filming, recording the cast album for this. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Like what, walk us through kind of how that all worked and like how you got in the right headspace, how you kept your voice from dying with all this crazy I score. Mean, well, the beautiful thing is, is, is lack will keep me in the 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 part that i need to be so i'm not like blowing out my vocals so you know i was i was doing like the man three man four track which is 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 a little bit lower but honestly i mean i never recorded anything in my life let alone being a record like a professional recording studio so i was like oh this is amazing i like got there i was in between uh javi and austin who was man six and i legit was just like this is the coolest thing. And then also too, just hearing all of the original guys sing together is just like, they're insane. All of them Voc vocally, they are insane and they have a lot of power. So it was just, it felt like a music rehearsal, but with microphones and headphones. I would, die. music rehearsal always has this like inherent energy to it that I just, you gotta love it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I miss that. Uh. Especially, especially when you're like rehearsing just parts in this musical, just to hear like all the men's part in like one song, like say end of Yorktown, like the down, down, downs. It's just, 
I actually have that clip. I should post that. Actually, I haven't. Some I'm seeing a lot of my clips like online, like like wrote in rotation from like off Broadway, and I'm like, I have so many more. I should post that one though in the recording session because it was just to hear them like together. It's just it sounds so powerful. It's so great. Absolutely, it's it's insane. The whole album I think is every theater kid's holy grail in mm. every capacity, and it's. For good reason. One million percent. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously this show has just become, I mean, everybody, I've said it a million times, it's a cultural phenomenon at this point. Like it's taken the universe by storm. What would you say was, what was it like knowing a, knowing that you were a part of that? And especially in its original inception, like what what's that feeling like for you, I guess? You know, what's funny is that hasn't changed. I don't feel any different. You know, I'm like grateful to have been a part of the show. I think because my responsibilities, I had so many responsibilities when we like went to Broadway, I was too busy trying to do a good job at my job. But one of the things that I remember being like super taken aback by, um, and like humbled was the amount of artwork that we received from kids all over the world like i had someone do a portrait of me that was like it's one of my favorite things i've ever seen and like i was just so humble to like have someone draw or like sketch me out so like i framed it but yeah i mean i i don't feel i don't know it's it's weird i'm grateful for the opportunity and i'm humbled that it inspires youth in a way that i will never know because you know you you don't know what the impact of a show like that will do um being a part of it but yeah i'm just like seeing seeing all the art being created inspired by this show that was really encouraging and like honestly inspiring yeah absolutely so now post post hamilton like tell us what you've been up to especially during the pandemic mm -hmm. how you've kept theater alive some sort or just music dance in general yeah so pandemic happened and i think like everybody we were like oh yeah it'll be like you know six weeks and then we'll we'll be back to normal boop boop so the first like the first like six weeks i was just like lazy bones binge watching shows playing video games chilling and then as things kept be being pushed back i was like oh okay so i gotta figure something out I've always, um, I've always loved music. Um, when I was in Boston for eight months, I worked as like a bass player for an indie rock folk band and then also for a cover band. And so I started working on music production because I always wrote music, but I never like went like learned how to use uh, a DAW like Logic or, you know, in, in any of the music programs. So I like spent the pandemic learning how to use those programs, use plugin presets, um, how to build songs, how to record vocals. I like pretty much, I'm, I'm coming out with an EP um, in July. Yes, so far the proposed drop is July. All the music is done, but it's now like all the digital stuff, photos and you know, all that, what have you. But yeah, pretty much, pretty much just like working on music production um, and sound engineering has been like my main focus. I also choreographed for a mini documentary that is coming out soon, um, or maybe not soon, but like anywhere between like three to six months. Um, 
So just artistically, I've been like busy, but I don't think I've been doing anything to contribute to theater, um, at least not yet. I'm hoping that this will lead to it, but you know, not yet. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned writing as being a part of your life for a while. Mm -hmm. What kind of inspires your work? Like what, what makes you want to sit down and write it? Write? <laughs> um, honestly, like any, like it's, it's so interesting. Cause like, you know, I feel like one thing about artists is we find things that affect us very easily. Like not, not, not that we're affected easily, but the amount of negative content that is out there in the world always will strike a chord and therefore creates a need to create art to vent or to like at least produce something beautiful from something ugly you know it's like a transformation process so like any any i mean it's any kind of struggle like you know i haven't worked for since last february so it's one of those things where i'm like i mean i have but like not the way I usually work. So it's like those frustrations, the frustrations of anything, any one isolated incident that draws a line in the sand and you have opposing people just butting heads instead of like talking, that sort of thing inspires me. My family inspires me. Um, yeah, pretty much just about anything, anything. I could wake up, stub my toe and I wanna write because of the amount of pain I get from it. I mean, that's a very cookie cutter, easy thing to say, but you know. Yeah, for sure. So you also mentioned bass as being, I know that you mentioned this weight at the beginning, but how did you pick that up? Like, was that something that was a childhood thing or was that something that, oh said, yeah, hey, why not? I'll learn how to play bass because I don't have enough on my resume. <laughs> right, right. There's, I, I don't have enough that I'm already doing. Um, No, so, okay. So when I was younger, I picked up the saxophone in elementary school back when schools had music programs. Um, I always like, yeah. So back back when schools had music programs, I picked up the saxophone. Um, that was fifth grade. Um, did that from fifth through seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, my junior high had a jazz band. I played saxophone first chair my first year in junior high. My second year, I was first, still first chair, but then halfway through the year, we went to a high school jazz festival and I got an award for my solo. <clears throat> But then we didn't place, we like ranked really high, but we didn't place because we didn't have a rhythm section. We didn't have a guitarist, a pianist or a bass player. Um, all we had were drums. And so my music teacher, Mr. Miller was like, yo, uh, would you be down to like switch over to bass? And he's like, I'll take extra time after school to work with you on it. Um, but he's like, I know you pick up quickly and it would just be something that would be really good to have with the band. And I was like, sure and the first time i put that thing on my lap and it was plugged in and i plunked my e-string and that low just note just hit me i was like this is me this is my instrument like i love this and so after that it was it i mean and i also grew up on red hot chili peppers being from california so like flea was like my base god so like i just played along to every red hot chili peppers album all throughout high school Oh my God, that's amazing. I, that's, I love that. <laughs> so what would you say? I mean, I know that you've mentioned this a bit, but what, who would you say are your sort of biggest music influences? You meant like music was a big part of your life growing up, especially. Oh, oh yes. Um, I mean, you, you, you have your like standards, right? Like you have like Michael Jackson, you've got James Brown, 
but then like you know something happened in high school where like i met like some of my friends were listening to, like heavy metal and i fell in love with a type of music that like i identified with some of my feelings like when you're so angry like there was just something about that i was just like oh i love heavy metal i love jazz i love classical music because of my ballet upbringing you know and then like doing doing jazz dancing you're listening to a lot more contemporary music on the radio r b so like I wouldn't say I, I have one specific influence, you know, like my mom grew up like when we were growing up, my mom would listen to like uh, gospel music and like Elvis Presley and like, like just so many, like our house just had so much music in it. So honestly, I can't pinpoint like one or two specific artists, but like every genre has a place in my, even bluegrass. I'm like, I'm just like here for all the music. Awesome. I mean, Emily and I always say that music's the best thing, like for coping, <laughs> for celebrating, just anything. So it's 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 the one thing I like, and, and this is kind of why I'm like going more towards music now. But it's the one thing where you can have a whole bunch of people show up to a concert, and nothing matters: your race, your 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 social status, your economic, like. Not, that doesn't matter. Like you're, everyone's there to show a common interest in music, and there's something about that being the equal, like the equalizer for everyone, that I absolutely love. Couldn't agree more. So I guess kind of wrapping up, if you were to give one piece of advice to your past self, what would it be? Uh, don't take anything personal, and always be honest with people. I'm too much of a people pleaser. So like, if someone offends me, I won't say anything, but I'll hold on to it, you know? So it's like, don't take anything anyone says to you personal. And like, always, always just tell how you honestly feel about something in the moment. I would say that's some pretty solid advice. Some advice that I feel you, I tend to be too much of a people pleaser half the time. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're a performer, that kind of goes with it. So trying to undo that is like a lot of work. That's yeah. also been the pandemic vibe too. <laughs> <laughs> That's such facts. All right, well, I think that that is an excellent note to end on. Voltaire, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and nerding out about this show. And this has been so cool to get to talk to you and hear your whole life story. So awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, y'all. This was great. <laughs> thank you. So to connect with Voltaire on Instagram, follow at TisVoltaire, where you can keep up to date on his latest projects. Be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye.